Welcome to the Centerpoint Church podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. This week's message comes from 1 Samuel 16, verses 14 to 23, and 1 Samuel 17. When I I looked at this story, um, it occurred to me that uh, we love an underdog story, don't we? I, I love underdog stories. I think as a culture, we love underdog stories. It's kind of baked in to who we are as, as a people. And uh, even if you've never read the Bible and you maybe never have read this story, um, you've probably heard of David and Goliath. And I think the reason is, is we use this metaphor all the time, especially in sports. We love David and Goliath stories. Um, we love David and Goliath battles. We use this terminology about all kinds of things all the time. We like the underdog, the unlikely hero that, that defeats um, the favorite. Uh, I think back to some sports stories that pop for me. Uh, 1980 Lake Placid, not all of you were alive. I, I wasn't either, actually, but they made a movie about it. 1980 Lake Placid, the Olympics, um, this amateur U.S. team beats this professional Russian team, and it's called the Miracle on Ice. And they go on to win a gold medal. It's a great underdog story. We love stories like this. Um, If you like football, I think to Super Bowl 36, and I know not all of you remember Super Bowl 36, but a sixth-round draft pick off the bench out of the University of Michigan named Tom Brady steps onto the field and leads the New England Patriots through the playoffs to a Super Bowl championship over the greatest show on turf, the unstoppable St. Louis Rams, or at least that's what everybody thought. Now, if you fast forward with me to Super Bowl 42, those same Patriots have become the Goliaths of the NFL. They're undefeated, heading into the Super Bowl, maybe the first time um, in a long time since the 70s that a team would finish the season undefeated. They seem to be unstoppable, and they're defeated, ironically, by the Giants right? And the, the guy that has the helmet catch, his name's David. Like, you can't make this stuff up. David Tyree finishes the, the Super Bowl with a helmet catch, and the, the Patriots go on to lose. Um, if you like football for the rest of the world, so this is American football. If you like soccer, football for the rest of the world, it's 2016, maybe the greatest upset in sport history. So 2016, um, it's the, let me see here, the, the Leicester City Foxes. They win the Premier League title. So Leicester City was just about relegated the season before. And, and for us that we don't understand Premier League soccer, uh, Premier League football, uh, relegated is like going from the major leagues to AAA. They're almost kicked down to the, the level bef- below uh, Premier League soccer. And they come back in 2016 and they win. And the odds of them winning the Premier League title was 5,000 to 1. Think about that for a minute. 5,000 to 1. Maybe the greatest underdog story in history. A small market club won the title at 5,000 to 1 odds. We love these David and Goliath stories. We remember these David and Goliath stories, but often all we remember is the headline. USA wins gold or USA defeats Russia. That was a popular headline in 1980. USA defeats Russia. Backup quarterback leads Patriots to Super Bowl victory. Unstoppable, undefeated Patriots slain by the Giants. David defeats Goliath. We remember the headline. 
there's so much more to these stories and there's so much more to this story. And this morning, we're going to study the story of David and Goliath and we're going to zoom in to the detail. We're going to zoom in through the lens of pursuing God's heart and see what's there that we might miss if we just read the headline. What does it look like to pursue God's heart? What can we learn from a David and Goliath story about pursuing God's heart? People look at outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. He looks at the the detail. People see the headlines, but God sees more. How do we see God's heart in David? How might we pursue God's heart like David did? So before we get to the story of of David and Goliath, um, I want to back up just a little bit and give you a reminder of the context of this story. So um, Saul is still king of Israel. But because of Saul's selective obedience, um, Saul knows that, that that kingship, that opportunity, that leadership position is going to be removed from him. The spirit has left Saul and David has been anointed to be king of Israel. He's been blessed by the gift of the Holy Spirit, but he's not king yet. Saul is king, but David is God's anointed who will be king. And it's in the tension of this reality that David enters the service of King Saul. He starts to work for him. And this is where we'll pick up the story. It's it's 1 Samuel 16. We're going to start in verse 14. You're welcome to follow along in your Bible if you have one. Your preferred electronic device, it'll be up on the screen. 1 Samuel 16, verses 14. And then we're going to work through chapter 17. So if you want to check that out or read it later, chapter 17 as well, um, the story of David and Goliath. So before we go to God's word, let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, may your word be our rule your spirit, our teacher, and the glory of Jesus, our single concern. Amen. 1 Samuel 16, we're going to start in verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and the evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes upon you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I've seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. He's a brave man and a warrior and he speaks well and is a fine looking man and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey, loaded it with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit of God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play, and then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. David was a musician at heart, a musician so skilled that The power of music that David played could drive out evil spirits. Right away, we stumble upon the mysterious power of of music and art that is animated by the Spirit of God. 
more of a footnote than a headline in this story, but not to be missed. Music, art, beauty, inspired by the Spirit of God, reaches places and connects with our human hearts in ways that we can't express in words, in ways beyond what we understand. Music awakens our heart to God, bypassing what so often gets in our way. David wasn't just a musician, though. He was a poet. David, David was the psalmist, writing words and setting them to music, expressing our deep longings and needs and fears and joys and celebrations in ways that still resonate with us today, giving us words to connect with God when we have no words mysteriously bypassing the places we're stuck and connecting us to God in spite of ourselves. I would, I would wager many of you have experienced this, experienced how music opens up your heart, how music connects to your heart, how music is a conduit to express your heart. And I bet few of you could understand why that's true. As we study the story of David and Goliath through the lens of pursuing God's heart, there will be several practical takeaways for you to put into practice but I don't want you to miss this mysterious one, almost buried in the footnotes. God uses beauty to bypass our brokenness and connect with our hearts. Theologian um, John Calvin famously wrote something like this. There's no knowledge of God without knowledge of self. And there's no knowledge of self without knowledge of God. To pursue God's heart, we need to understand our own. And God's heart will awaken ours like a jolt of electricity shocking our heart into the rhythms of God's heart. God does this mysterious work through the gift of his Holy Spirit. A gift that was taken from Saul, but let me reassure you, a gift that will never be taken from you if you are in Christ Jesus. A gift that was given to David and I just want to talk about some of the rhythms of God's heart that we see in this story um, that reflect God's heart. First, selfless service. David served. David, David served his father. David served his father's sheep. David served his brothers. David served the king of Israel. But above all, David served God. Before David battled Goliath, every day for 40 days, Goliath rolled out onto that battlefield like an Abrams tank, covered from head to toe in armor, enormous and seemingly invincible. And with all the bad intentions that he could muster, Goliath taunted Israel. And listen to what Goliath said. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Are you not the servants of Saul? Are you not the servants of Saul? Israel was supposed to be a light on the hill. Israel was supposed to be a nation that pointed people to God. And a self-serving leader turned Israel into a self-serving nation. And Israel's enemy knew it. The enemy of Israel sees the truth, and they're not afraid to say it out loud. The selfishness of Israel has made them weak, and the selfishness of Saul has turned them into every other nation. And Israel's crippled by fear. Later, David hears Goliath, and he's incensed. Listen to what David says. Who is this Goliath? That he should divide the, the armies of the living God. 
The selflessness of David is his strength. This is not Saul's army. This is God's army. And David is God's servant. To pursue God's heart is to pursue selflessness, humble, servant-heartedness. Friends, people look at outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. A second rhythm of the heart of God that I want to highlight for you is responsibility. We learn from David that pursuing God's heart is not a disembodied spiritual exercise. To pursue God's heart is not an excuse to shirk responsibility. To pursue God's heart is to take on all of the responsibility that you can bear. David's father, Jesse, instructs David to take food to his brothers on the battlefield. And the first thing that David takes is responsibility. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd. He loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. David makes sure that the sheep he's responsible for are taken care of. David gets to work loading up all that his father has instructed him to take. And then David starts out on his journey. Pursuing God's heart begins by taking personal responsibility and taking responsibility for all that God has entrusted to you. A third rhythm I want to highlight is knowing, listening, and obeying God's voice. Knowing, listening, and obeying God's voice. David arrives at the battlefield to look for his brothers. Now, when David was anointed to be king, he was more of an afterthought. Samuel, the prophet who anointed David, first passed over all of David's brothers. And when Samuel saw David's brother Eliab, Samuel said to himself, this must be the one. But Eliab was not the one. People look at outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. When David arrives with the supplies for his brothers, we get a window into Eliab's heart. Look at what we see. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, Heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked him, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Can you imagine how painful it would have been for David to be treated like this by his older brother, who I'm sure he looked up to his whole life? To be yelled at in front of all these other men, all these other people? to be humiliated by him. Eliab's heart is full of anger. Eliab minimizes David's role in the family. Eliab assumes that that David's incompetent and irresponsible. Eliab, Eliab is blind to his own brokenness and projects the wickedness and conceit of his own heart onto David. There are all kinds of voices in our life. There there are the voices of the people around us. There are the voices of the people close to us. There's the voice within us. And there's God's voice. And often, it seems like everybody's talking at once. And there can be a lot of noise. And to pursue God's heart is to pursue God's voice. To tune out the noise and to know, listen, and obey God's voice. When we pursue God's heart and our heart 
begins to reflect the rhythms of God's heart, when we serve with selflessness, when we talk, take personal responsibility, when we know, listen, and obey God's voice, when we do these things, our outward appearance begins to reflect our inward transformation. And people will begin to see God at work in us. And this is what I think they're going to see. I think they're going to see four things from this story. They're going to see confidence. They're going to see authenticity. They're going to see aim. And they're going to see your identity. So first, confidence. David remembers God's faithfulness. And God's faithfulness is the source of David's strength. When David is making his case to, to Saul to get permission to go and fight Goliath, this is what David says. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. The Lord who delivered me will deliver me. David remembers God's faithfulness. And based on what God has done, David is confident in what God will do. If your confidence is shaken, and it might be, a pathway to pursuing God's heart is to reflect on God's faithfulness, to take some time to reflect and remember what, how God has already been faithful. Find a quiet place where you can reflect without interruption. If you journal, grab one of your old journals and open it up and read what God has done. Before you pray, think back to a time when you prayed and God answered your prayers. Your confidence will grow when you remember God's faithfulness and God is faithful. Next, authenticity. When we pursue God's heart, we become who we're created to be. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he's not used to them. Saul tries to make David into an extension of himself to wear Saul's tunic and armor to carry Saul's sword. Saul is trying to make David into Saul 2.0, but that's not who David was meant to be. And David rejects the facade that Saul is trying to make him wear. Not only that, this is not how the battle will be won. God does not win this battle by matching the weaponry and the brutality of the enemy. God will win this battle on his own terms in a way that the enemy does not see coming, in a way that, frankly, none of us see coming. When we're confident in who God is and we're authentic to who God created us to be, we begin to see things clearly. And we're able to take aim and hit the mark. And then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. David, unencumbered by the weight of Saul's expectation, trusting in God and true to himself, David, the musician, shepherd, warrior, poet, David approaches Goliath with five five smooth stones and laser focus. If we're to pursue God's art, we need to aim for it. When we fail to aim, we fall into sin. So aim carefully. Finally, identity. When you become who God created you to be, 
When your outward appearance begins to reflect your inward transformation, when pursuing God's heart becomes your identity, people might begin to see you differently. People might see you quite a bit differently. It may impact your relationships, actually. Verse 55. So this is after the story of David and Goliath, after David slays Goliath. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? Abner replied, as surely as you live, O king, I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. This is Jesse's son. Saul asked Jesse to have David come and work for him, to play the harp for him. And Jesse sent David to Saul. When pursuing God's heart becomes your identity, when your outward appearance begins to reflect your inward transformation, people will notice that something has changed. And when they do, tell them. When people look at you and think, whose daughter is that? Whose son is this? Tell them. Tell them about the Father. Tell them about the Father's heart. Tell them about God's heart for them and God's heart for you. Tell them how it made a difference and why. I love this story. I, I think this is David at his best. I, I love the innocence, the, the clarity and purity of heart that we see in David. David won this battle, but David could never win the war. There's a giant problem that loomed large over David and, and large over Israel and large over all of us. A problem that David could not overcome, a problem that none of us could overcome. Sin kept us separated from God. Sin keeps us separated from God and from God's heart. In order for us to be free, to pursue God's heart, God would have to send his only son. And it is in Jesus that we can truly see what it's like to pursue God's heart. In Jesus, we see God's heart. And through Jesus, our hearts can be re reconnected to God's heart. Our hearts can be restored. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus selflessly went to the cross. Jesus took the responsibility for the sin of the whole world on his shoulders, listening to the Father's voice and following the Father's will, cutting through all the noise around him. And if you remember the story of the noise within, defeating sin and death on his own terms through the power of surrender. And nobody, not even the enemy, saw this coming. Jesus died for your sin, and Jesus rose again from the dead so that you could live and live forever. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be a gift to you for all who would believe, to empower you, to pursue God's heart with confidence, authenticity, and aim, grounded, rooted in your identity in Christ. To pursue God's heart is to pursue the way of Jesus, and it all begins with the power of surrender. If you've not surrendered your life to Christ, I want to invite you to consider it. I'm going to invite you to do that. And when you're ready, I'm going to invite you to reach out to someone that you trust. And there's lots of people that would love to talk to you about what that looks like. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, I want to invite you to lean in and I want to encourage you to 
pursue God's heart with all your heart. In a world paralyzed by fear, doubt, and selfishness, you are empowered to show the world there's another way. The way of Jesus. You are empowered to show the world what it looks like to walk the path of selflessness, to take responsibility, to listen to Jesus' voice and walk in Jesus' way, to pursue God's heart. Church, would you pray with me? Father, we're grateful for your Son and our Savior, Jesus, and the hope that is ours in him. And Holy Spirit, we're grateful for your gift that resides in us, that connects us to you, that makes a way for us to understand just who Jesus is and what God's heart is for his people and for the world. Jesus, you came and selflessly gave your life so that we could live. You took the responsibility of sin on your shoulders so it would not crush us. And, and you've invited us through the power of your spirit to be able to be connected to you, to connect to God, to listen and obey. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do just this. Come into our hearts and lives and renew our spirit Help us to see with clarity what what has become cloudy. Help us to see the way of Jesus. And Spirit, I pray that you give us the courage to walk in the way. I pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship this Sunday at 930.